Microphone check. Does my mic sound nice? Yes, it does. Welcome to another episode of It's About Damn Time. I'm Jared Dam, and this week I have another dope conversation with another dope person. But before I introduce my guests, this week's episode centers around being black in the United States, what it looks like and what it feels like to many black people. This episode was recorded prior to the senseless murder of Dante Wright in Minnesota and also before the video surfacing of Army 2nd Lieutenant Karan Nazario's treatment by the Virginia police in a routine traffic stop. You know, it's not a lot I can say about this. Uh, I mean, you, you hear the frustration in my voice. It's, Honestly, no, I'm I'm frustrated, I'm scared, I'm angry, I'm threatened, I'm anxious. And not really even for me, for my kids. You know, they have to grow up in this world and I have to attempt to explain things to them that hell, I don't know how to explain it myself. I don't I don't understand it myself. I know that I don't have any solutions and this episode certainly isn't a solution to anything. But we have to start having more conversations about anti-blackness because that's the only way we're going to figure this out. So, you know what? That's, that's really all I got. I'm still trying to process. I'm still trying to get through it, as a lot of us are. So, you know what? I'm going to introduce my guests. So let me compose myself. Okay. Whew. All right. It's about damn time I spoke to Keena Reed. Kina is a speaker, a writer, a content creator, and an expert on all things black in the United States. Yep, all things black. She is. That's what she told me to say. That's what I'm saying. There you go. Uh, she has two platforms, the Anti-Blackness Reader and Hug Your White Friends. Um, they educate the black experience from two different perspectives. Uh, we're going to talk about how these particular communities were created, how she wrestles with the term content creator and how she feels hopeful uh, for the state of black America in 2021. Stay tuned for a very interesting conversation. So without any further ado, sit back, relax, listen to Kina and me. It's about damn time. So, so can you say that again? Because I got kind of hyped when you said my name of my podcast. Did you get an erection too? No, no. I'm just like, no, no, man. It's about damn time. Yeah. Yeah, it's about damn time. It's about damn time I'm on your podcast, sir. It's about damn time I, I you are on my podcast. Thank you for being here. Um, K. Reed. Yeah. Um, th those that know, they know. You know what I mean? Yes. Jay Boogie, <laughs> Jay Boogie in the streets, apparently. Uh, you know, I, I do what I do. Like, uh, You know what? We're not here for that. We're not here for that. We're not here for that. Uh, I have a government name, too, that is becoming more and more difficult to hide. Yeah. I. We're not going to say my government name on your podcast, though. We're not, we're not going to say your government name. On the podcast. That, on the podcast that you actually have a page set up for. My page doesn't have my government names. I mean, your, your Facebook page has your government name. No, it does not. I, I, I just saw it the other night. Not the real Facebook page, though. <laughs> I don't <see> <laughs> All right. We're off to a rousing start. Okay. Sure. So, Keena Reed. Um, oh, edit out my last name. <laughs> you know, when I taught at colleges and universities, uh, I would tell students on the first day of school, and I think some of them believe me. I'm like, I'd say this is my, you know, insert government name, and then I'd be like, but y'all can call me K Reed, that's my rap name. And some of them believe me that I have a rap name. 
I, I don't I don't I don't know why they why they did. I, I don't even understand because I <laughs> Okay, first of all, a lot of these institutions were primarily white. So these students probably looked at me and thought I could fry chicken and hit 16 bars look, and sing at the church choir. If you had let me just come to your class, I could tell them everything. No, she don't have a rap name. She used to like Little Flip. He wore a little a little leprechaun. Okay, first of all, lots of people like Little Flip. That was not a solo endeavor. I mean, he had like I'm pretty sure gold, if not platinum album. But it you you put him in your you, top five. You okay? Oh hell no! I at that time you did. At that time I mean, you well, did. I mean, of course, because I also was doing 16 bars that started with "I didn't came down." I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> Not that person. I'm glad that you have grown as a person. So I am too. Speaking of how you have grown as a person, you actually have become quite the voice in the black community. Um, I yes, I you have become quite quite the voice, and I and I follow you on on all social media platforms. So I I see your message a lot, and so. I know you, you, you work the podcast circuit. You're a content creator. You, you, you get these questions <laughs> asked all the time. First of all, why'd you make it? I need you to like contextualize that shit. Can I curse on your podcast? You can curse the fuck on my podcast. Okay. Yes. So don't say work the circuit, even though I'm not judging sex work. No, I don't mean work the podcast circuits, Kina. No judging sex work. No, I don't judge sex work. Sex work is important in 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 this co- country important. and and globally. It is important. Yes. Yes, but you have worked the podcast circuit, and you've I've been, been on, around a little. I mean, you've been I've on been a couple on podcasts, podcasts, and I know that people have asked you this, but my audience don't know. So okay. tell me, you are the creator of the Anti Black Reader, the Anti Blackness Project. Yes. Anti Blackness Project. I'm sorry, because I knew you're going to correct me. The Anti Blackness Project. And hug your white friends. Now I'm going to yes. start with the anti-blackness Blackness project. project. Actually, technically, it's the anti-blackness reader project because there's a play on words there. All right. Well, well first of all, break down the play on words, and then okay. And then so break down. Like, think about it. Like when you read someone, you're like giving them the business. You're letting them know what's going on. So part of what's happening on that platform is we're calling out anti-blackness, right? Like this is an anti-black act. So for example, think about the great insurrection. That's what I'm calling that attack on the Capitol mm-hmm. during the um, Joe Biden's um, inauguration. And, you know, people frame that and still to this day in a very limited way. So at first it was like, these are just people fighting for their rights, bullshit. Then it was like people who were anti-democracy, which is valid. I'm not taking that away. But at the end of the day, y'all also need to call that an anti-Black moment because they were specifically denying an election of a president who became a president because of Black voters, like Black voters in Georgia. So if you're coming against this particular um, election result, then you're also coming against the body that made that thing manifest, and that was Black folks. So that's also an anti-Black moment. So part of the anti-Blackness reader is the read, which is like checking anti-Blackness when it happens. And then here's the little nerd inside of me. You remember, because we're old, in right. third and fourth grade when they'd send you home with those reader, like the- The, the weekly reader. reader. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that, because it's like, here's this information. Like one of the things I love to do on my platform is like lift up the work of other artists. And so it's like, hey, y'all, Black folks, if you're not listening to this podcast or if you're not paying attention to like this conversation, here's some shit that Black people should like pay attention to. So it's a play on words. And I felt like I was super clever. I like it. I like it. So what what made you create it? (sighs) Deep sigh. Um, I already told you how I felt. Okay, so this is what we're gonna. It's a good story. All right, so I know it's a good story. It's a good story. I just I never wanted to sound like rehearsed. Twenty nineteen, Atiana Jefferson is killed um, in the Dallas area of Texas. Yeah, Atiana Jefferson. You know, and it's weird, right? Because it's like at this point, there are so many black people who've been the v- victim of state sanctioned violence. 
that it's hard to keep up with the names. You get what I'm saying? Right. Um, and so I guess in some ways I, I, I want to kind of give context because I don't want to assume everyone remembers Atiana Jefferson, but Atiana Jefferson was the young black woman who uh, was murdered by a police officer who was doing a wellness check. Right. So Atiana is at her parents' house. Uh, her parents are older who typically don't have people staying with them. But Atiana was visiting because I think her mother was ill. And so she was there visiting, taking care of a sick parent. Um, the neighbor saw that there was some unusual activity at the home that doesn't usually happen, which, I mean, neighbors do that, right? Old right. Black folks who be like, wait a second, they got the light on in the third window across, you know, what's going on? Miss mm-hmm. so, Fields, my mama house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he calls the police. The police show up, and without getting into the details, Atiana is murdered. Right. Right. So this this particular death hit me very different, right? Because I can remember even Sandra Bland being murdered and just being devastated, and Tamar Rice, 12 in the park, and being devastated. But in those instances, I never quite saw myself in that. Okay. But Atiana Jefferson visiting her mom, sitting on the porch, playing video games with her nephew. I mean, Jared, that's my life every yeah. fourth Sunday. Yeah. And so that just hit different. And it was the first time I could like visualize that could be me, right? And so me being the academic that I am and the type of person I am. My first, when things get confusing to me, I find a book. I mean, I've been like that for a very long time. And so I'm like, okay, there's something here. There's something that I'm not understanding about this. Um, And really feeling like there was a part of this conversation that wasn't happening. So I, um, at that time, I was doing a lot of research around Afrofuturism and Afropessimism. Mm-hmm. And those are like two chords of a stringed instrument. And a lot of people would say those are opposing thoughts because one is about a, imagining the future of Black liberation outside right colonial projects. That's the Afrofuturism. But Afropessimism is really kind of looking at the reality, the grave reality of what does it mean to inhabit a Black body that is often dehumanized, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm reading both of these at the same time. And so it's like two circuits of my brain are activated. And I'm like, shit, that's it. That is the part of the conversation we're not having. And so I always say out loud, racism is an issue. It's definitely an issue when we define it as an institutional practice. But as much as we can do the work to undo racism, if we can't convince, well, pause, let me, let me fix that. Because we don't have to convince anyone of shit. We have to have a real understanding that people don't value Black life because people don't see Black people as human, mm-hmm. not fully anyway. And that's where anti, that conversation happens because anti-Blackness at this unit is recognizing that folks of African descent are not seen as human across the globe. And until we can get restored humanities onto our bodies, we will continuously be victims of state-sanctioned violence. And so anyway, so fall of 2019, I'm like, that's it. That's the missing part of this conversation is anti-Blackness. And I guess I'm going to like take this from like a non-linear place. And then I want to fast forward to 2016. And you know me for a very long time. (laughs) And so, um, I was that person who, I guess the best way to say it was I got along with white people very well. Right. And I did that very intentionally. I can move in and out spaces where white people occupied. And I mean, shit, I can still do that right now, but it's different now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 2016, when Bill Cosby's life goes up in front of us, which I always feel like I have to say this, the man is guilty of things. What things he's guilty of, we'll never know, okay? But what I saw was the whitest Black man in America get crucified worse than 
white Jesus. And that's when I realized it doesn't matter how you show up black, you are black. It's the it's the Jay-Z song. It's like, right? Like you're black. If you're black and cold switching, you're black. If you're black and wearing your hair relaxed, you're black. If you're black and you're married to a white woman and live in the whitest part of town, you're still black. You're still and black. I just was like, okay, well, this is my reality. And I really need to really find out a way to fall in love with everything about me that's black. So that's 2016. So 2019, I put together this piece, which is like, oh, the reason why Black people are also victims of state-sanctioned violence is because people don't value their lives and they don't value their lives because they don't even see us as human. Boof. And then that was like the answer that I had been looking for. And so I started thinking about what does it mean to fall in love with all of the things that I had previously discarded about myself? For example, my ass that jiggles or the, the my ratchet playlist, right? Like all these things that we've been conditioned to to a certain extent, especially if you're professional and black, right? Whatever right, exactly. however we're doing professional, you're you find you find ways to compartmentalize that. You find ways to like put that aside. You find ways to like that's the weekend version of me, or that's right, the exactly. version of me, yeah. or that's the me at a family barbecue. Yeah. And so I was like, oh no, this shit needs to be front and center. To be more specific, I decided that the Kina you met on a college campus teaching a class, the Kina you met at Bible study, the Kina you met at a family meeting, that Kina needed to be the same. And that's the journey that I went on. So that was fall of 2019. So I started the thinking of this in my brain. Mm-hmm. And then it fully manifested um, a few weeks before George Floyd was murdered. And that's the Anti-Blackness Reader Project. That, that's that's interesting because, you know, keeping that same Kina, no matter what, no matter what environment you're in. Yeah. And I I think, I think as Black people, we, we have a habit of code switching so much that it, it becomes like automatic. It's like yep. it's like almost like your 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 iPhone picking up a different Wi-Fi. Yep. So it's like it becomes That's automatic. A great analogy, by the way. Thank you. Um, but it it feels like that because it and when it starts feel, feeling weird to me, where I started kind of questioning it, it's it's fairly recent. Just okay, I wanna I want you know. I want to highlight this rapper. Oh, the song's in my head. I'm gonna put this on my IG story. Yeah, yeah. This is this is my shit right here. This is my. Sh- oh wait, they they said the n word. Oh shit, they 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 cussed. Oh, what's the white people gonna think on this on, this on my Facebook page? Mm-hmm. And, and I had to sit there, and and what made me stop was like, wait a minute. If I if I can sit there and put something on my social media that. My mom can look at it and be like, "That's that's Jared." What the fuck am I worried about anybody else? Yeah, and <laughs> you and you you know my mom. She 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 listens to a she lot of violin, she, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people have heard her on previous podcasts. She she open. You know what I'm saying? So I was get ready for that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> she ready to get back on. So I, I'm have to figure out how to put her back in to the podcast situation. But if if I can't if I can't say what I want to say, then wh- then why do I have social media? Why? Wh- this is my social media, not theirs. And so I had I I'm, I'm slowly starting to get out of that code because now it's to a point where I'm, you know, I'm I'm talking to coworkers now. And I'm just like, if I don't feel like, you know, doing or hey, how's it go? I, sometimes I just don't want to talk. Whoa, that part. I was in a grocery store about three weeks ago and I actually did a live after this. I feel like I did some level of public communication around this. I don't remember what it was. I was at the grocery store, masked up. This white woman comes to the, cause I'm at the butcher, wherever people get meat at that part of the grocery store. And she walks up and she's like, something, something expensive, huh? Like, right. And then I say with my mask on, Sure is. Great. Then she moves closer. 
And so now I'm like, wait, hold on, boundaries, <laughs> boundaries, please. So I started like walking away because first of all, we know how most of y'all feel about masks and like COVID protection. I'm just keeping it 100. So I'm like walking away at this point. So then she walks so closer and then she starts talking to me. And Jared, I just kept my face forward because I was like, I'm not about to do this with this one, right? But what's interesting is from my peripheral, I can see, you know, her nonverbal reaction to that. I think she was really surprised. Like here she is, this older white woman making a decision to have a conversation with me and I'm not biting. And so she like spends another like 30, 40 seconds trying to entertain. Like, and I'm just, I literally just stand still (laughs) and look at the meat counter and wait for my turn. And the thing about it, I walked away from that thinking to myself two things. One, she really thought I was going to entertain a conversation with her. But two, like, how often do Black people do that? Right. Which is like, have conversation with white people that they really aren't there for, but it's like, ugh. I have right. to seem agreeable and kind or whatever because I don't want these white people to call the cops on me. And again, yeah. this is what I know to be true about America and most of the Western world. If Barack Obama wasn't being escorted by Secret Service and he was driving in Chicago somewhere on the wrong day at the wrong time, he could get the business just like anybody else. Yeah. Period. And so with that being said, I can use my energy however the hell I want to. And that particular day, I didn't want to entertain an older white lady. That's my business. And this idea that we do these things as a posture of like survival, really, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I can't think of the concept. There's an a amazing activist that I follow who talked about this. But like basically what did, especially in Jim Crow South, right? You literally had black people like, like literally would physically leave the sidewalk when white people walked down it. Right. And gave them the right away with the intention of being agreeable, staying safe, not wanting any static. Hello, the static has been here and is still here. So again, I would much rather use my energy in ways that actually do something and manifest something in my life, not play games and engage in shenanigans with strangers. That makes sense. So when you talk about using your energy, so we're going to switch a little bit to hug your white friends. That's something that you put in your energy. You like the segue? You like the segue? I'm going to be podcasting. And I know. And your listeners are like, wait a second. She's just like, I don't got to make space for white people. But then she gave it white people hugs. No, I'm not. <laughs> so ex- explain it. Explain it to people. Because I know sometimes people just see a name and they just be like, what I the know. fuck is that? So explain it to and people what it means. It's really funny because anyone who spent like 10 minutes in my presence, one, you've probably heard me talk about chattel slavery because that's the kind of shit I do. And then two, no, oh, Kena's not giving hugs to white people. So, you know, in 2020, racism became real. I don't know if you had seen that or you had got the news. I might have read that somewhere. Yeah, you know, you were just chilling, minding your business. And then white people were like, oh, racism, it's a thing. Yeah, yeah. We're going to care about it. And make money off of it. And make money off of it, right? So, um. When so we're looking at Brianna, Ahmad, and George being murdered, state sanctioned violence. Um, and I'm calling Ahmad Aubrey's murder state sanctioned violence because the 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 assailants of those crimes were modeling the police state when they killed him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like neighborhood policing. What mm-hmm. the hell? You know that's something white people came up with. <laughs> so anyway, um, so Everyone's stuck at home. They're COVID times. And it's like, I don't have outlets to do other things, but see this black man lose his life. Right. Right. And then fast forward. Now, so many people who are not black are concerned about black lives. And they're like checking in, dialing with a black friend. 
a black friend that you haven't talked to in 15 years. And you're sliding in the DMs. And you're like, hey, Kina, look at this post I made. Did you see it? Is it racist? Blah, 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 blah. And my response is, it probably is racist because what's happening in my inbox is racist. Because you and I haven't talked in 15 plus years. You had to dial it way back to find me in your closet of black friends and antiques. But I thought that shit was isolated to me. And I started reaching out to other people and I was like, oh, this is some stuff white people are doing yeah. right now. They're inboxing black folks. They're showing up in text messages. They're showing up in their DMs. And then I got really mad one day. And I think it was like one of the very first Facebook lives I do. Like this is like lives are not my go-to medium. But I was hot that day. And so I get on Facebook and I'm like, blah, 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 blah. I know you have some feelings about this that are justified. And they are justified. Part of what happened last year is that a lot of folks who are not Black. So I include people of color in this, too. Looked and saw what happened to George Floyd. And they're like, this is not the America that I've been singing about and reading about and celebrating. And so it was like this great lie got Mm -hmm. unpacked and unveiled right before their eyes and so that causes cognitive dissonance right your brain's like wait i don't know how to handle this this thing that i thought is true is not true right so i get it the impulse is to like seek safety right and also white people didn't want to feel like the murderer who kneeled on george floyd's neck for over eight minutes and 46 seconds and now we know after last week that george floyd was dead after six Right. So now they're calling a phone a friend, black friends to like reinforce. I'm not that guy. And I just got mad. And so I got on Facebook and I was like, da, 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 da. I understand you're having feelings. You have a right to have feelings, but don't call me. Go find a white friend, hug them and leave us the hell alone. And when I did it, I was like, I'm speaking out into the void. (laughs) Two people will watch this. And that would have been my cathartic moment. Right. Well, like 30 minutes, someone like leaves a comment. Like, this is just, I don't know, like, wow, Kina, wow. And I'm like, oh, one person watched it. And then like an hour later, 300 people had watched. So then I'm like, what? And then like, I think by the end of the night, 700 had watched. And then like the next morning, it was like 2000 people. So then I'm like, damn. Right. So I'm like, okay. I wasn't even thinking viral moment. I still don't think that's a viral moment. Cause a viral moment is like renegade, renegade. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, but it was a start. It, it, it was, it was, it was impactful. It was impactful. It, it, impacted, it impacted more than the two who watched it live. It impacted yeah. If, if 2,000 people are looking at it, it's, it's very impactful. And then, so now the, the educator, the teacher means like, well, damn, I ain't give nobody no solutions to move forward. I just gave him my raw, raw, like, anger. Right. So then the teacher means like, okay, let's, like, dial it down a little. Let's give white people something to, like, build on, right? And so I record the second video that's like, here are things you can do, right, as non-Black people to foster, like, a, a world that eliminates anti-Blackness to get you more prepared to do the work to like in racism, right? So I, I recorded the second video and I'm also thinking the same thing about the first, which is no one's gonna watch this. This is gonna go into the void. And I don't remember what the stats were on that, but it, I mean, equally it was watched and, and shared. And I was like, okay, this can be a thing, right? And so then like now juxtapose this. So now I have the Anti-Blackness Reader Project that in some ways is an online diary for me mm-hmm. to fall in love with myself. Right. George Floyd gets murdered. And all of a sudden you do have this influx of white people who are like, oh, my gosh, I need to listen to black people. So something that might have only had 15 followers is growing rapidly with white people. (laughs) What to do with the white people? So the the white people the the movement is growing. So tell me how the 
how does hug your white friends help? What what's the whole basis of it? So part of the issue, and there's lots of people who disagree with me, and I always say out loud, almost for every podcast I've recorded on, it's come for me. I'm okay with that, right? Is because too many Black people and people of color have, we, we have a mutual friend. I will say their name later in life. I don't think she'll mind, but whatever shortly after George Floyd was murdered, was like, hey, all the white people I know, you can inbox me and I will explain to you why, but exactly. No. She's like, you can inbox me and I will explain to you what Black Lives Matter and I will answer all of your questions about all these things because I know that talking about race is so confusing and so so hard for y'all. So inbox me. And I was like, sis, clearly you've never had a conversation trying to explain to a white woman why all lives matter is problematic. It will exhaust you. Yo, I don't want to do that with two people in a so, year. <laughs> so, part, so part of what's happening in my process is like, I'm really... It's like two specific things that I'm trying to navigate in that hug your white friends dimension, which is like white people. You should learn from black folks and people of color about racism because we have the embodied experience. You should learn about black folks. You should learn from black folks about anti-blackness because we have the embodied experience. Learn from us, but don't lean from us. Meaning I don't want to deal with your tears about this shit. Mm -hmm. That's exhaustive. Find a white person and y'all do that emotional work together. Right. And so that's the first premise. White people learn how to be accountable to each other. And one of the tenets of whiteness and whiteness is the centering of all things Eurocentric. Right. And so that manifests in a lot of ways. But one of the ways that manifests is that white people feel like specifically white people in the United States because of the construction of race that is social, political, it's not grounded in reality. You have like, that, okay, I'm not going to get into that. So the point is, is that whiteness teaches like white folks that they can access the fullness of a person of color in however way they want to see it. Mm-hmm. And so that means that someone will call you and feel like you owe them a conversation around race issues. And it should be something you feel not only that you make time for, but you should feel grateful that they're asking you, Jared, black man in America, Jared, you can explain to me racism. And, and do it quickly because like I because I only got 15 minutes. Yeah. So really, it's like kind of helping them understand like, no, 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 no. People don't owe you anything. Right. Whatever people of color give you is a gift. But create that accountability with other white people. And the second thing is that people should divest from whiteness because it's made up. In fact, whiteness exists to oppose blackness. People became white in the United States. Guess what? George Washington and them weren't white people. All right. When the first colonizers come over here from um, across the sea, they're strongly identifying themselves as British folks, um, as people who were from Europe, but they're not necessarily identifying themselves as white. Right. That racial category comes along after black people arrive on the scene. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I always tell people whiteness exists as a construction that is solely opposing to blackness. So to the extent that white people are like, well, what about white pride? No, right? Mm-hmm. Black pride is a thing. Because it's cultivated through resilience and strength and creativity. White pride isn't a thing. It's supremacy. Because the only reason why anybody became white is so that they wouldn't be seen as Black, especially in the United States. And this is what's so interesting about the phenomenon. So when I was teaching at university here in the South, you know, when I would break this down to students, so they would be like, wait, So my Italian great, 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 great grandfather wasn't a white man. No, boo boo. He wasn't white. But when his ass got to the United States from Italy, he had to become white so he can make something of himself. 
True. In Louisiana, you've got people who were Cajun French people, and you've heard some of these people who barely were like, right? Who mm-hmm. literally decided to stop speaking French so they could be seen as white people. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So they exchange an ethnic heritage to be a part of this like very generic, like it's not even a culture, really. It's a system. And so you it's know, like the, cool, people, like the cool lunch table. Yes. Uh, Except for, well, I'm not going to say <laughs> But I set you up. Because <laughs> I already sound like a racist, right? Like, I'm I mean, very no, aware your, your point, your point <laughs> is really interesting. gets in the wrong hand. like, look at this racist black lady. No, but your point is, it's really interesting. Like, that 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 makes a lot of sense. And I, I don't think I've ever th- thought about it that way. That, yeah, all, the, all these people from all these different, you know, nations when they when they came here. Oh shit! I'm trying to be a part of, of, of the cool kids because I don't want to be associated with with these people right here. These motherfuckers are getting it. I'm white, so. <laughs> and like I was thinking about this two weeks, and this is the thing about divesting from whiteness. That's the language that I use on the podcast and on my platform, right? But it's like. I remember growing up in New York, second grade, my teacher's name, Mrs. Milano. She's talking about Ellis Island. And she's like, think about it. All these people came from all over the world, Ireland and Italy. And they signed their names in the book and they gave themselves new American names so they can become more American dream. How great is that? That shit's traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. What? But how do you paint that picture? That's such a great thing. But that's what they've been doing. They've yeah. literally been like, when your grandfather came over, he was like, Joseph, five syllables. And then when he signed his name in Ellis Island, he became Joseph Smith. The American That's, way. That is trauma. Yeah. And the only reason why we couldn't do that shit is because we didn't know our names. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. All right. So you've, you've, you've taken this voice making great points you've taken this voice and you've turned it into a platform with the with the with these these two i want i want to say both of our projects but for lack of a better term yeah. right so how has that transition been from from being a, a voice to to tell people you know how you know about being black and anti-blackness and you know and, and about how we can't sit there and coddle you about racism, how 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 have you done that? Going from voice to content creator, because now it's a whole different ball game with content creation, and 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 to do it on on a on a, a fairly regular basis, and and to keep the keep it spicy enough so people can can know and get their message. Because as you know, like the, like the whole George Floyd thing. Oh yeah, we protested, we protested, and then when it get a little less cool, it everything dies down and, and goes back to normal. So how? Tim, talk to me about those challenges. Uh, when I have an answer, I'll let you know. Because <laughs> I don't, right? Right. It's like, so uh, again, I created the Anti-Blackness Reader Instagram a few weeks before George dies. Well, is murdered. Right. Oh, this is a side note. Did you hear the Jay-Z and um, Nipsey song that's on the soundtrack for Black yeah. Judas movie? Yeah, what it feels like. like. Yeah. And Jay-Z finally says it out loud. Like Fred Hampton was murdered. Did you catch that? Cause I, 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 I cause I was like, yay. I'm sorry. That was such a random thing, but it's just like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you corrected, you corrected Jay-Z, you know? Anyway, I haven't figured it out, but like a month after George Floyd was murdered, I, I remember thinking, I got all these white people who care about racism now and all these black people who are experiencing trauma, what to do? And there would be nights I would stay up, first of all, because I was experiencing my own racial trauma and so insomnia, just like creating all this different thing. And it felt like if I just can say the right thing, they would stop killing us. Yeah. And so, I don't really have a smart answer. Um, Again, a lot of what I share on the anti-Blackness reader is stuff that I need. So like 
two weeks ago, I was thinking about, I don't say George Floyd's murderer's name if I can avoid it, um, but I was thinking, okay, the murderer is about to be on trial and then they're going to try to like put George Floyd on trial right. and then they're going to try to put like blackness on trial, which is what has actually happened. Right. Right. So I was like, okay, so Kino, what are going to be your strategies to negotiate this, right? Because the part of like racial trauma is real. That's very real. And so it's like, okay, I need a strategy so that I can get sleep, right? Because there are moments when something happens, when somebody else is murdered or another anti-Black moment happens. And it's like, Kino hasn't slept in a week, right? So I'm like, create a plan. And so as I'm doing that, I'm realizing, oh shit, other Black people are going to need the support too. So often what shows up on that page is really the shit that I've needed, right? And even like last week, you know, um, I post, like I did, I posted like self-care strategies. And that was because I needed those. I needed permission to say, I don't have to watch this trial. And I'm like, if I need to hear that, it's quite possible that other Black people need to hear that too. Right. So I'll, a lot of it is organic. Now, there's I have these teacher moments where I'm like content creator supreme. And I'm like, okay, here's the theme. These are the conversations we're going to have. But then because we actively live in an anti-Black world, some shit comes up, you know? And I'm like, okay, if I need to process this out loud, other Black people might need to process it too. <laughs> I actually like that. I mean, that, that I, for me as a content creator, and I know we talked about that before of, of like actually calling yourself a content creator feels weird, but for me as being a content creator, it's, I do my best work when it's organic. I do my, I do my best work when I'm, I'm having a conversation with somebody and I just get this epiphany. I'm like, Oh shit, I gotta go. You know how you see on like, you know, all, all the TV shows like house or something when they, when he, Oh, I, I got an epiphany after talking to somebody. And for me, it's like, that's when I want to write a blog. That's when I want to, I, I, I got a, a podcast topic, you know, to discuss. I'm like, okay, what guests can I, I find with that? Let me outline how the conversation is going to go. Because for me, living, just living in this world, and I think you said it best, when, you, when you're, you're living and you're trying to figure out how to process stuff on your own, other people may feel that way. So whether mm-hmm. whether we talk about blackness, whether we talk about relationships, whether we talking about anything, uh, mm-hmm. how how politics affect us, whatever the fact, you, you're reacting to it organically and creating content that people can that is that is um, relatable, and 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 that's the most you can get out of out of out of content if it's organic and relatable. People are going to draw to it. Hence the reason. You went on a, a, a rant about hug your white friends, and it, it was so raw and organic. People were drawn to it, so I think yeah. you got the right idea. But I also need to be completely transparent. There's some shit that I've avoided too. That we, I we know, all have that. yeah, right. That I'm like, oh, this is a black moment, and I'm like, ooh, I ain't stepping in this. Like for the most recent was the Tamika Mallory stuff, right? Right. And I still feel like I cheated the audience, right? Because like, here is Tamar's Rice's mom with valid concerns, you know? That kind of grief, it has to change your whole being. And these accusations are being made, and it's not just Tamika, it's Sean King, right? It's, right, like, people are woke, they're vocalizing their feelings about Black activists. And I have feelings about it. And I know lots of other Black folks do too. And I'm like, ooh, not gonna touch it. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that Black people were like checking for Meghan Markle like that. <laughs> were we really? On my timeline, people were checking for Meghan Markle. I no, was like, pri- no, prior to all of this. I don't know. All oh. I know is I didn't know sis was gonna be an Oprah. Yo, well, before and then it was it, it was it, so like I didn't set up the DVR. I didn't know this was one of those for the culture moments, but apparently it was. Right. And what's interesting about that is like black women in particular, when they think a black person has been harmed, they like, oh, oh, oh. right. 
well, now the next day I'm seeing all these hashtags like Black Girl Magic, Save Megan, all the shit. I'm like, wait a second. That was for us? And that is not <laughs> to minimize the trauma that Megan Markle has Absolutely, absolutely. But it was one of those things where like, and then Black people are having feelings, right? Because you got, you got camp. We got to protect Megan at all costs. She's one of us. But then you have people who are like, what? And so then I'm like, there's a divide. There's a divide. Black people are divided. I ain't touching it. You know, so there are things too that I'm just like, Mm-mm, nope, not going there. Uh, you know, because I'm like, we can't come to a consensus about this shit. So. <laughs> I look. <laughs> Look, I, I had I had to cover it on, on we had to cover it on Vex and and I did not want to spend a whole lot of time on it because it was like I I I I am sympathetic to 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 the what the stressors and how it's how it's made her feel mentally and emotionally. Yeah. I am sympathetic to that. Um being a mental health advocate. But at the same time, all all I knew prior to her even remotely uh, even starting to 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 today here it was um oh that's that's the tick from suits that's it yeah. nobody had nothing else know, but and, that. There, and this and I will say out of that moment there was for me this important question that got lifted up which is like why did Megan have to be black for us to care right 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 couldn't we have been concerned about this woman's mental health and well-being without her all of a sudden have to be hashtag quote unquote black girl magic right right so anyway um so there have been moments where there was a cultural moment that i'm just like i ain't mm -mm, i ain't ready for that conversation and i think there could be some benefits for the conversation right like sean king you right like i do feel like there's a nuanced conversation there Mm -hmm. about right especially and I'm not even talking about um, necessarily like the financial component, right? Because there's so much like different movable parts there, but like this idea of like, is he black? Ooh, is he not black, right? And what's interesting about that conversation is black people have been na- navigating those kind of conversations. I was talking to a friend today and we were like, hmm, Beethoven, black or not, right? Right, right. And so, there's there's this idea of like who gets to be invited to the table yeah yeah that we haven't really negotiated in really in really strong ways and the other part that we haven't negotiated is when do we ask people to leave right because i don't think we do no because once at the table at the table R. Kelly could show up today at the table and black people would be like, okay, step, step, side to side. There, 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 are, people, there are people that I know personally that's, that's like, you bet not say nothing about Robert Kelly. But are no. we the people who should be having those conversations though? That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like there should be some consensus building around that. Especially when we consider who his victims were. Right. Predominantly black women, black girls who were poor. Those were our people. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that we don't lift up a nuanced conversation around who gets to stay in our spaces, I mean, that's another podcast. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Similar to Bill Cosby. I mean, Mm -hmm. I had a couple years ago when he first was indicted, I mean, I swore like four of my aunts down. I was like, I'm grown as y'all. Let's do it. Bill Cosby. You know what I'm saying? And so anyway, I mean, that's like something that wasn't on our agenda, but as black people, there are conversations I think we have shied away from as a collective because we don't really have the model for it. And when you think about someone like R. Kelly or Michael Jackson, because that's something else, right? Mm-hmm. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. Exactly. You're not ready. You're I'm not, not ready. Not for Mike. I'm. Right? I, but I'm never gonna be ready for Mike. That 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 is a that is a that is an emotional. That that is my my childhood. That is. Yeah, I, I ain't gonna be ready for Mike. 
I ain't gonna live for the it. sake of the podcast. I want to say this out loud because I don't want any of the listeners to come for me in my inbox. But I will say this: Mike is a very different instance. It's different in the sense that with a R. Kelly or Bill Cosby, there's this sense of like knowledge of their mental wellness mm-hmm. to an extent. Yeah. Um, that makes them assailants. But with Mike, it's very different to yeah. decide what line he's on. Is he yeah. victim or is he perpetrator, right? So yeah. anyway, so there's a lot of conversations that as Black people, we haven't figured out how to have. And so I definitely haven't figured out how to have on my platform because I'm like, this could get messy and I ain't ready for it. But, you know, it, it gives you content to come back on for next time. All right. So yeah, I'll talk about Megan. Two years from now, <laughs> when no one is like, wait a second, why can't I talk about Meghan Markle? You know, because like example, like part of the Meghan thing too, dear, it was like the colorism thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we and we she got and, to be white until she can't be white anymore. And I, I don't think we know how to really address colorism. We don't like, know we, how. It, it comes up as a as a topic, but I don't think I don't think <clears throat> as a people we, we've learned to address it. Why we don't know how to address that, right? It's because think about it. You're a surgeon. You got a patient on the operating table. Blood is coming out everywhere. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. You've got to figure out what a triage first. And that to me is the metaphor of the black community. I get you. All right. So I know we got a, t- a whole topic, uh, you know, in conversation. And, and, and if we... If we just if we just do go overtime and have a part two, we just have a part two. But I have to ask you this, and I know this is a, a, a open, it's a loaded question, but I'm, but, I, but what I, all Jared listens to know that the thing he told me we were talking about, we still haven't talked about yet. Well, see, but but he but just glad he he he. What's the word? This a word. I didn't bait and switch you. Is that what it's called? I don't you know. Did bait and switch me? No, no. Because if we still talk about it, it's on my agenda. I, these were going to post me some quick questions, but we start really diving in. But well, that's because I'm as deep as the Mississippi and as full as an embodied. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> okay. So, my question, and I've, mm-hmm. and I've wanted to ask you this for quite some time. So, you know, you can go off. What is the state of Black America in 2021? Oh, it's amazing. Because you see that little thing I did in a grocery store where I refused to talk to that white lady? Yeah. I'm calling that a, a posture of demand. Mm. I was listening to this podcast and I feel so bad. But the 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 person is the CEO of a company called Firm for the Culture. That's correct. Okay. So it's a black woman who's in a, uh, she does uh, intellectual property law and it's amazing. And her, her firm is called Firm for the Culture. You get it? Mm, I get it. I, I see what she did there. I see what yeah, she did there. like, yeah, girl. And uh, she talks about, like, I had never heard this phrase before, but she's like, clash it. When you classy and ratchet. And I was like, yes, that's the phase I've been looking for. Classy and ratchet, bad and bougie. I think the future is bright for Black people because one, we're starting to be like, this is what I need. I'm drawing really clear boundaries. And one of the things I've been saying in 2021 is like, I'm here for the people who are grateful for my yeses and respect the hell out of my no's. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're learning how to create boundaries, right? So what I did in the grocery store is very little, but Black people are showing up to work like, um, I'm having a day and I'm calling in Black. I'll see y'all on Monday. Mm-hmm. Black people are starting to tell co- co-workers like, this second shift work y'all got me doing, which is like working on a diversity committee and shit. Nah, yeah. Right. Right. Black people are telling white folks like, I know I'm not about to explain this to you. Go Google it. Right. So just that that alone, like that boundary setting, I think is amazing. But I think the second thing is happening here is because and this is sad. Right. Because like one of the things that happens is like (sighs) white guilt is interesting. 
it doesn't manifest something long-term. It's not sustainable. Guilt's not a sustainable emotion, right? If you try to guilt your husband to stay with you because like he should feel guilty, I mean, it's not going to work. But what I'm saying is white guilt does open up some possibilities, right? So Rosalind Brewer, February 2021, becomes the fifth Black CEO uh, in the Forbes 500 list. She's the CEO of Walgreens. Sis gets paid sign-on bonus, like $2.5 million. That's sign-on. Mm. And so I know what that means. That means Walgreens is like, ooh, we don't want to seem racist. So let's just throw a bag at a Black person. People are throwing bags at Black people like never before. Now, <laughs> that gives me promise if the right Black folks have picked it up. And yes. we start to be what I like to call social engineers. Mm. So how do I find a way to put Jared's name in my mouth? How do I get into rooms and learn how to say, firm for the culture, firm for the culture, hey, firm for the culture. And I think more and, us, more, and more of us are realizing that that lie they taught us, that only one of us can be up in the bitch. Right. I think more of us would be like, ooh, I don't think that's true. Yeah. Right? And so I think that gives me hope. Right. Like on my very little platform, I'd be so quick to be like black person to pay attention to. And I think more and more of us are starting to get it that, hey, I don't have to be the only one in the space. Right. Because I think in some ways we were taught that, okay, like it's like that the field and the house slave. And this house and the house slave was like, well, I can't tell everybody who's working on the field but i can get biscuits right like i have to keep this to myself right. so that i can still have this resource i think more and more black people are like oh no y'all ninjas come up in here and get some biscuits too mm-hmm. if it's enough biscuits for everybody yep. let's all get some biscuits and yep. i will tell everybody and, and you're right that, that gets me courage that that secret that secret that secret oh let me keep the secret to myself because I, I don't want to mess up my biscuit in, in that scenario is exactly how we've been living prior to like, you know, basically and like the last year. To this get year. out of that is to do the opposite. And Jared, that's hard. I've had a couple of times. I've had moments where I'm like, should I tell someone about this resource? And then I literally say mm-hmm. to myself, okay, oh, that's scarcity. You don't believe that shit anymore. And then I keep, and I go on to the next thing, but you have to retrain your brain. Cause you've been programmed. You've been exactly. programmed to do it for so long. So yep. it's all about retraining how, how you actually do life actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So that gives me promise. All right. So if, if you're hopeful for the, for the, for the black community, I am. I'm, I, I, I'm going to be hopeful for the black community in, in black America. All right. So we definitely gonna have to make this two parts. So <laughs> at this point in time right now, um, Go ahead and tell tell everybody where they can find you, um, you know, on on the socials and whatnot. Just you do that, and after that, I'm gonna do a little a little magic, and then bam, we'll be talking about the talk about this in the second episode. So yeah. okay, so you can find me on Facebook and the Twitters and the Instagram. Uh, Instagram is probably where a lot of the content lives. Um, the anti blackness reader. I'm the only one. Um, and hug your right friends. I'm the only one of those too. Hug your right friends. Literally, that's the Instagram handle. Um, and it and it translates into Facebook. You know, don't find me on Twitter. You know, I'm I'm still trying to get my Twitter life, my Twitter game up. Mm. It's not up. Twitter is the cool kids table of social media. It is, and I and I struggle with my, <laughs> my Twitter too. Although I, I did get on there a little bit last night because I was I was I was live tweeting WrestleMania. But why do you get on Twitter when you're drunk, sir? Oh, because you know what? That's that's a way to test test out my uh, you know, my platform. You know, like it's, I feel like I feel like I feel like Twitter for me is like it's like beta testing content because <laughs> I can just be I can just because I don't have a lot of people that's just checking for me on Twitter. So I can just sit there and say some so stuff. So you could just act if, an ass on Twitter, huh? So you could just act an ass on Twitter. I don't, I wouldn't act an ass, but I was just I was just open, and you know I had tequila, so it, it made me it made me think about it a little bit less. Anyway, whatever, whatever. So 
they can find you in all those places and I'll have that in the show notes. So Oh, I have a Patreon. That's a yeah, thing let's, that's, yeah, let's highlight the Patreon. What, what are we doing yeah. here? Hashtag pay black women, hashtag throw some dollars, hashtag <laughs> hook a sister up. Patreon.com slash Kina Reed. It's a thing. Is it is it okay to say your your, your last name for the Patreon? Because you just yeah, it's Kina Reed. Okay, R, so R as in Roger, E is in Echo, E is Echo, and D is in Dog. <laughs> D is in Dollars. <laughs> All right. Well, let me thank my guest Kina Reed for joining me this week on It's About Damn Time. We had a great time talking and talked so much that we got to do a part two. You see, we didn't even get to the subject that we originally wanted to talk about. So next week, we'll talk about black love. We'll define what it means for us. We'll talk about why it's so important in the black community. And then we'll just kind of talk about some of the obstacles that stand in the way of black love. And Kina gives an interesting take on one of those obstacles. I'll just leave you with that. Um, you can you can follow Kina on all social media platforms, Hug Your White Friends, and the Anti-Blackness Reader Project. So she's there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even with a Patreon. So follow her. All that, all that stuff is on the show notes. Well, that's really all I have for you this week. So until next time, I'll see you next week. Bye.